Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. ESNY. Back to another episode of the Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast, an Elite Sports NY production, uh, taping on a Sunday night. Uh, some, sorry, a Saturday night here, just a little before eight thirty. Uh, as always, with my guy Chip Murphy. Chip, how's it going, man? I'm good, man. Uh, still getting used to the quarantine life, uh, but excited about. We were just talking about the Jordan documentary tomorrow, so excited about that. But. Uh, Weekends aren't really starting to feel like real weekends, because you can't really do anything. So the weekends and days of the week just feel like the same, but technically it is the weekend. Uh, how about you? How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. I'm 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 hanging in there. I think uh, doing a little bit more cooking, um, trying to get into some things here and there. Just just uh, just sticking with it. I, I definitely hear you on every day, feeling and meshing and staying the same. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. on that note, I think it's a good way to transition. We definitely broke it up this weekend. Um, before we ended our last podcast, we you know kind of leaked it out a little bit that we wanted to start an A, a through Z series in terms of the NBA, uh, really highlighting and talking about each different team and you know kind of how their season has been, um, what maybe are some off season needs, you know whatever whatever is kind of pertinent and important to the team. And first up, we have the Milwaukee Bucks here, and I'm very, very thrilled. Chip and I are both pumped uh, to bring this guy onto the pod to talk some Bucks basketball. Tim Ray from the Behind the Bucks um, website for Fansided has written a little bit for them. Tim, we're thrilled to have you on, man. How's how's it going? Yeah, it's going great. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, just uh, excited to talk about the Bucks again. It's been a really small, slow month without uh, basketball. Uh, especially when the uh, team like the Bucks were just rolling through the NBA, uh, it feels like we were robbed a bit of um, just enjoying that final bit of the regular season. There, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's where we're going to start. Uh, real quick, though, I just had a quick thought that kind of went through my head. So, how how do what is the genesis of your Bucks fandom? Where does that start? Uh, yeah. So, I got into basketball. Uh, generally through high schools uh, uh, like 10, 12 years ago. But uh, my grandfather actually moved to Milwaukee uh, in the mid-90s. So during that time, um, he'd send stuff for Christmas back over and there would always be like a package shirt, a brewer's cap, and then you know, like a Bucks uh, T-shirt or jersey. So just over time, you sort of uh, sort of adopted Milwaukee as um, sort of the city that I followed through American sports. And then as I got interested more in uh, basketball, which is um, – more of a niche sport in Australia, but certainly uh, growing in popularity and has uh, very high participation rates. Um, 
yeah, just started watching the Bucks more and more, although that was sort of uh, more torturous at that point. Um, and then, yeah, once I left school, uh, obviously with the time differences, it became a lot easier to uh, watch games live. And then, uh, yeah, since then, luckily that coincided with Giannis's career, so I've been lucky enough to watch just about every game of his career up until now, which has been uh, pretty great and uh, very unexpected, I guess. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, God, the ascendance of, of Giannis into uh, easily one of the league's best and brightest superstars has been like really, really amazing to watch. Um, and um, I, I guess that is a good place to start. So it, obviously with, with Giannis, uh, another amazing season. The Bucks were at, at the point of suspension of play, 53-12, and 12, just rolling, as you said. What is your biggest takeaway from the season, um, if we ever get to finish it or play it again, but what have you seen so far? What stands out to you? I think it's it's a hard thing to nail down because the Bucks were just so dominant, and the fact that they got better from the previous season as well, where they won sixty games, uh, the point differential, uh, one of the greatest of all time. Uh, at one point, they were on track for seventy wins, although I'm not sure they were going to get there because of the way that sort of load management works, uh, especially down the back end of the season uh, when coaches just sort of punt games. I think they were heading for sort of a, a mid-60s range. Uh, just the fact that it didn't matter uh, or playing, basically. Uh, just dominance is probably the word that stands out um, from this season, which hopefully picks up. I'm very reluctant to, as I think most Bucks fans are, uh, to, to think of this season as lost. Uh, I think uh, Bucks, Clippers, and Lakers fans will be the last hanging on to hope that this season resumes. Although I think that fades as every day goes past. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, yeah. and and I know uh, Chip will will agree with me here. Just an amazing, a fun team to watch, man. You know, I mean, like sharing the ball, moving it around, especially in this age of of pace and space. Uh, Budenholzer and the Bucks really epitomize that. And Chip, I know you wanted to ask Tim, um, you know, a qu- question specifically about that. And uh, with the three-point ball yeah. being so important to them, I'll let you get to that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tim, I just wanted to ask you, because last year uh, they lost to Toronto in big part because they shot only 31% uh, in the series from three-point range, and Toronto shot 37%. And uh, they still rely a lot on the three-point shot and being successful from there to win. So I was – Wonder like as a fan of the Bucks, are you concerned that Milwaukee is so reliant on the three-point shot to be successful? Because we've seen how that's let the Houston Rockets down in the past against the Warriors. You know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, I for one, I don't think the Bucks are as much reliable on the three as the Rockets. Um, oh I think no, the fact no one is. That, yeah, I'm of not course not. In that, I'm just using it as comparison. Oh no, I'm, yeah, I'm just saying. I don't think yeah. they're they're so reliant that it becomes a, a downfall. I think because you've got Giannis, mm-hmm. who is basically a modern day Shaq, um, mm-hmm. from two. The, mm-hmm. He shoots like 62 percent on two point shots. Um, but I think as well the the fact that they were so reliant on the threes, it comes down to a lot of their losses are just. Uh, outliers and, and variations. I think of their 12 losses, uh, seven or eight were just double outlier games where the Bucks would shoot uh, less than 30% from three and their opponent would shoot higher than 40. Um, I guess sort of, yeah, that, that's where the Toronto loss sort of stings in that sense because it happened four times in a row, um, which sort of less, 
left people speechless and the fact that it ended so abruptly, I guess. You see this dominant team running downhill and then suddenly stop. Um, but I guess that's that's one of the concerns. But on the other side, the, I think the Bucks are generally a better team than they were when they faced the Raptors. Um, you've got an improvement across the board from just about everybody. Giannis somehow as the MVP has gotten better. Uh, Chris Middleton has come along in leaps and bounds. He, if the season ends, he just narrowly misses a 50-40-90 on numbers basically only bettered by uh, Steph in 15-16. So I guess, yes, there are those concerns, but every team has some sort of weakness in that same sense. That's definitely true. Um, And you referenced the Middleton's uh, production this year, and I, I, I saw that too, and honestly, I had to do a double take, not because I'm not a Middleton fan, but just because um, it was surprising to me to see that, you know, the only player that had scored above 20 points per game while shooting 50-40-90 was Steph, I think, during his MVP season, which is like really, really crazy. Um, but going back to Giannis a little bit, um, obviously a, a huge question surrounding him and the Bucks will be um, his decision to, to sign a Supermax deal with obviously the the league put on hold with with COVID-19 uh, potential ramifications with the salary cap if you see that if that could potentially affect the amount of the supermax that the bucks could offer him do you see that as as much of a deterrent to stop him from signing with the bucks or do you think ultimately this is a guy that's Milwaukee through and through and he's going to be here for the long haul uh I don't think it necessarily affects uh, Giannis's decision to stay because of the way that the cap works. And obviously we're not sure how that's going to unfold given what's going on. Uh, but the fact that the Supermax is taken as a percentage of the cap and then the other maxes that other teams will be able to offer will be obviously lowered in sort of the same amount. Um, I think generally the hiatus, I've seen people say that the hiatus will sort of lure Giannis away but I think I see it as the reverse in the fact that there's going to be if this season is lost there's no there's no triggering event that sort of like a a really bad loss in the Eastern Conference Finals not getting to the Eastern Conference Finals you know getting swept by like the Sixers there's not going to be that sort of triggering event that causes Giannis to rethink that this isn't the team for me and the fact is, when he's evaluating his options, I don't think there is a better alternative for him to win right away. He's got this team built around him. Uh, players, which is a very specific way to build around a player. It's not like you're taking... Because Giannis is such a unique player. And then you're surrounding him with shooters. I don't think there's another place in the NBA where he'd be able to be injected immediately and then find himself on a team as good or better than the Bucks. In a, in a, and especially in sort of contention for a title right away. And Giannis has always said that he wants to be in a place where he can contend every year, and I think the Bucks have done that. So I think the hiatus has generally made me more confident that he'll stay, which was already sort of a high high percentage chance anyway, at least from my perspective. Yeah, I think um, I think the point that you bring up that, that definitely uh, resonates with me is the lack of... Um, of a catalyst or a triggering moment that would that would make him think otherwise. Like you said, a loss in the Easter Conference Finals. Think of how many times that LeBron uh, maybe had a difficult loss with Cleveland before he went to Miami, and you know media speculation was always there. I, I remember that moment where he took his jersey off, uh, and everyone is is thinking, is this the last time LeBron has played in Cleveland? Um, and you're right, we're not going to have that. 
uh, with Giannis in in this case. Um, so I think that's yeah, definitely exactly. A, I think um, same with Kevin. The sort of the Kevin Durant to Golden State came out of nowhere, but in the same sense, they 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 were the first team to blow the three one. Right. No, it's true. Um, Chip, what do you think about that? No, yeah, I think it's a great. I think it's a great point. Like, uh, I don't know. Like too much about Giannis, like his personality or anything, or if he's interested in like the type of Hollywood stuff or the celebrity stuff that you know, like KD is and LeBron is. But he doesn't really seem like that. He seems more like the Dame Lillard personality, like loyal. He doesn't really want to form a super team kind of thing. Like you know, Dame Lillard like famously went and said that that wasn't his thing. I know Giannis hasn't said that, but. Giannis has, like, kind of gone out of his way to not train with, you know, like, anybody else. He trains alone. He doesn't, like, go to Chris Brickley's gym. You never see him on Brickley's Instagram. Everybody is on there except Giannis. Right. So that's kind of telling to me. Doesn't feel like he's going – doesn't feel like he's going anywhere else, right? I I mean, he's not, like – I'm not saying he's an enemy of any of these guys, but it doesn't feel like he's particularly close with any of these guys. Uh, that's just my perception from looking at it that could be wrong but no i think that that's that's pretty that's pretty straight on he sees himself as sort of a competitor with these guys so why would i train yeah and then at the same time the fact that he's an international star so he doesn't get involved with the team usa stuff where you're bonding with other superstars that's sort of where like a breeding ground for free agency um Mm -hmm. so he skips out on all of that entirely and i think the fact that he's become a super team by himself it's sort of a, I don't exactly. think he necessarily yeah. feels he needs to, because it hasn't been a triggering event. He doesn't feel like he needs to leave in order to win a ring. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's a, a point well taken as well. Uh, Tim, I want to ask you and then I want to let Chip get in here too. Um, and we, we talked about Chris Middleton earlier and, and doing some research for this podcast. Uh, again, yeah, I, I was I was stunned at how good of a efficient of a season that Chris Middleton is having, and I know he was an an All Star selection this year, but um, still, I I still don't feel like he's talked about enough. You know, averaging twenty one points per game, fifty percent shooting from the field, forty from three, ninety from the line. Do you feel like a Do you feel like Chris Middleton is underrated? And b um, even with the improvements that he's made in his game, do you feel that he is a good second fiddle and enough of a second fiddle for Giannis to win a championship? Yeah, well, Chris Middleton always just seems manages to be called underrated. It started when he was averaging like 15 points a game. Um, and then he's continued to improve. And then the odd thing is is that he, he got paid like a $40 million max and then got better. Yeah, uh, I think that's a, that's a very rare and commendable thing to him. Um, the the efficiency is really the big thing here. I think that's what makes it, uh, in a sense, how he would go underrated because these these Bucks players they only play thirty minutes a game. Giannis averages thirty points in thirty minutes. Middleton averages twenty one points in thirty minutes. If they played thirty six minutes and they, and Middleton averaged twenty five, maybe that would get him a bit more hype and. Uh, when people are talking about all stars, he wouldn't be like the, the la- people's last selection because we've got to have two people from the Bucks. Um, but it's just been a, an incredible ride, really, for Middleton this year. He had a streak for months where he just it felt like he'd never miss. Um, and then in the games where Giannis is out, 
he just gets even better. He dropped a 50. Uh, he's had a couple of 40s without Giannis. Um, just an incredible season for him. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think the him being a, a second star on a championship team is really dependent on who the first star is. I think because you've got Giannis, who has the potential to be, you know, he can win as many MVP awards as he likes. Um, I think that lessens the burden on the second and third, fourth stars around him. And the fact that Middleton fits so well with Giannis as the shooter, as he's so efficient, sort of aids that. It's sort of, uh, I know we see on social media a lot, the people love talking about NBA duos and Giannis and Middleton are never there. But the fact is that they end up winning more games than a lot of those duos brought up. It's, true. Um, it's just, yeah, I guess Chris Middleton is underrated and he will always be underrated until you're overrated. That's just sort of how it goes. Chip, what do you think about that? What do you think about Middleton as as the number two, a solid number two on a championship team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think he is. I think he's already proven he is. He's. It's funny you were saying the underrated thing because when we were looking at his stuff before, I was on cleaning the glass before, and we were talking about underrated. Like he kind of reminds me of uh, people talk about him now the way they used to talk about Mike Conley all the time. Like, remember, Mike Conley was the always underrated guy. Like, right. he was yes. always underrated no matter no matter what he did. And then he got paid, just like Chris Middleton did. And everybody was like, why the fuck are they paying Mike Conley? He's not that good. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it just reminds me of him. Like, But, yeah, we're looking at, like, Middleton's efficiency is insane. He's, like, he's 93rd percentile in points per shot attempt. Like... It's 54% from the corners, 52% on mid-range shots, and it's a high, like a, a lot of shots, yeah. too. Like, it's, I mean, Jesus, he's, no one talks about uh, him as, like, one of the best pure shooters in the NBA, but, I mean, he's good from everywhere, like, free throw line, three-point, mid-range, and there's not a lot of guys like that anymore because most guys don't take all of those kinds of shots because guys don't take mid-range anymore but uh dame lillard obviously does the guys like him do but i mean his his numbers are phenomenal i mean you were talking about his efficiency and yeah him and Giannis together obviously have great chemistry they play well anybody could play well with Giannis, i guess but still he's developed a rapport with him and and i mean we didn't talk about it but he's a great defender too so it helps to have that, and they have the best defense for a reason. Yeah, they have a lot of really good defense. Him, Giannis, Brook Lopez. Bledsoe. Uh, yeah, Bledsoe, George Hill, DiVincenzo. All those guys can guard. Like, uh, they're stacked defensively, and he's a big part of it. So he's also underrated defensively. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I guess. Oh, no, no, I was just – that was the last thing I was going to say. I think as well with Middleton, how we've seen him – uh, sort of progress this season is that Budenholzer is sort of he's he's let him shoot mid ranges where where the Bucks last year were strictly were taking threes and at the rim now he's letting Middleton shoot the shots that he's best at taking and that's just helped him uh, so, so so much obviously because he feels much more comfortable in sort of that mid range I think he is uh, the best shooter in the league from that sort of baseline area. Um, and yeah, you're right. People don't really talk about him as one of the best pure shooters in the league. It's sort of odd. No, it's true. Um, Chip, I know there was uh, another one you wanted to get in there too. Oh yeah, I wanted to ask about because I think I just mentioned George Hill, but I also wanted to ask another. It was uh, 
Bledsoe Hill question, and it's kind of related to the uh, playoffs last year again. But obviously, it was much talked about how Bledsoe struggled in the playoffs last year badly from three. But uh, I was wondering uh, what you thought, like, kind of what Eric Bledsoe's hook might be if he struggles again. Like, George Hill is obviously one of the best backup point guards in the NBA. He's been really good. If George Hill's hot and playing well and Eric Bledsoe's struggling like he did last year, do you think maybe Budenholzer will end up going with Hill? Not necessarily to start, but maybe to, like, finish games. Yeah, well, we sort of saw that in the conference finals, didn't we? Um, George Hill, in general, in last year's playoffs, was just amazing. Yeah, he was. Um, He sort of turned it back to that uh, jazz season he had where he might have actually – he could have been an all-star if he wasn't injured in that season. But, yeah, I think – that's so definitely, he probably has the shortest hook of anybody uh, in the yeah. starting lineup. I think he's helped this year by the fact that Wes Matthews is there, so he can help share sort of the defensive burden. I think that's also helped Middleton on offense, actually. Um, but yeah, I, that, that is, that's maybe the biggest question over the Bucks in the playoffs, is, is Bledsoe. If, if Bledsoe can even play to how he's played in the regular season, the Bucks are the champions. I guess that was probably the case last year as well. Um but yeah, it's. I guess yeah, but will probably just revert to what he did in the Eastern Conference Finals against Raptors, where Hill's playing more for for Bledsoe. Um, Bledsoe did improve a little bit this year, especially from three. I think he went up a couple of percentage points, um, although that was on uh, fewer attempts. But yeah, that's why it's just so disappointing that we're not getting to see like the playoffs would have started today. Yeah, right. Um, that was one of the the real. That's probably yeah the biggest thing for the Bucks. If if Bledsoe comes off and he's and he's playing well, um, I'm not going to say they're unstoppable, but it's a really good <laughs> sign for them. <laughs> it is. It definitely is. And I, and I want to keep it going with Bledsoe here too, um, but in a, in a different way. So um, one of the things that I really wanted to look at too in preparation for this pod is is just kind of their outlook for next season. Um, you know they they will be most likely top 10 in payroll. There are some uh, player options. I, I think uh, Robin Lopez and Wes Matthews have them. Um, but I, I am very interested in the Bucks in terms of the philosophy and direction they choose to go like forward. You know, and, and really what I mean by that is will they continue to be a patient organization that kind of um, – just that 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 really just is measured with the contracts that they sign, moves that they make, or do they try and maybe uh, get rid of some salary, maybe trading, uh, maybe looking to trade Bledsoe, who's signed through a little bit of a longer deal, uh, or what what type of philosophy do you think they'll take going into next season? Well, I guess that's the re- again the real shame here is that we didn't get to see, or we haven't yet get. Uh, seen this season play out because right. I think a lot of people for many years have floated the fact that why don't the Bucks go after Chris Paul? Obviously, that would be a huge uh, that'd be a huge trade for the Bucks. You you you, up- you just made Chip smile because he's got <laughs> he loves Chris Paul and and I I mean we both think he's he's one of the smartest basketball players to ever touch a court. But man, well, him and Giannis that year. would be insane. Yeah, um, one of my favorite. Is ever love that would be amazing. That would be so fun to watch. Oh, <laughs> so great! And this this season, it's the, those fourth quarters, amazing. Yeah. Um, so that's been sort of the in-your-face move. Why don't the Bucks try this? And 
the thing has always been, well, they're gonna they're gonna run it back, see what happens, and now we don't have that sort of um, sample size to see what would have happened. Um, I'm I'm not sure whether the Bucks. I think they're too well oiled of a machine to to go after the, the sort of the panic, the big panic move, and the fact that they've got Giannis's free agency sort of pending looming over them. If they make that sort of big move and it doesn't work, that could just disrupt everything. Maybe those sort of moves are a thing you make once you get Giannis to sign. Um, I think Bledsoe is the one that stands out as the guy, just probably the most expendable of sort of the guys that are there for multiple years. Um, but yeah, that's why it just sucks that they haven't had this. Because if you'd had, if the Bucks had sort of got to the East Conference Finals and the, they just couldn't get over the line because of Bledsoe. I think that's the obvious move that they probably try to try to make. Um, but yeah, at the same time, um, they've been so great that is there a move out there that can put them over? Like how much further can they get better if they can't break through at the moment? Yeah. Sort of the what sort of marginal gain are you looking for? I don't think there's necessarily a move out there. Like even the Chris Paul move would be a, because his salary is so big, he's such an undertaking. Yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, I, I love the moves that they've made and I think John Horses has been really shrewd. Um, like Chip and I were just talking, we've also been doing coincidentally with kind of like this A through Z series, we've also been doing like a redraft and we started with 2010, then we did 2011 last uh, week, and we were talking about Nikola Mirotic a little bit. And uh, you know, I know uh, I don't think his Bucks tenure worked out so well, but like, what what a with his skill set, you know, pairing him with the guys that they already had, Middleton, Lopez, um, you know, like just adding to the arsenal, you know, like a, a Brook Lopez, like getting him and and inserting him so seamlessly into like what they already have. Um, I was even reading an article, I'm not going to lie, I don't know too much about how he did this year for the Bucks, but even a guy like Marvin Williams, um, yep. you know, coming into the team and, and you know, fitting well, it just seems like it, exactly the way you put it, a well-oiled machine that has uh, done a really great job of just bringing people in and then just they, they add to what is already a, a great mix of talent. Yeah, I think, oh, just quickly on the on the Miritich, uh, that was their sort of, that's the sort of level of swing for the fences that I think this team is at. Really? They're just looking okay. for something that puts puts them over. Um, unfortunately, that didn't work out. Miritich didn't shoot great. He got benched in the Eastern Conference Finals. If he just shot average in the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe the Bucks already have a ring. Who's to know? Um, but that, that's the sort of move, in hindsight, it looks awful, but you make it every time. Because if you can add a player like him to a team that was already, that had, was on pace to win 60 games that were going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. You think, oh, Meritich, you know, he has the potential to win a playoff game by himself. He makes seven, eight threes. That's it. Um, but yeah, certainly. And I think um, another piece that I wanted to talk about with the Bucks, um, and then I want to let Chip, Chip get in again here too, is uh, Dante DiVincenzo. Um, really, really, really loved his talent and ceiling coming out of the draft he obviously had a very very good um entertaining ncaa tournament what i did not know about this kid is is the way that he defends uh the fact that he leads the bucks in steals he seems to be developing really nicely um 
another guy who who I know was playing well maybe a year or two ago, but not maybe so much this year, DJ Wilson, on a team that has star power, but has done a decent job of drafting maybe some role players to fit in. What do you what do you feel about their ability to develop players while also being a contender? Well, that, that's sort of going to be the challenge going forward. If they if they're going to want to remain a contender with Giannis going forward, they're obviously they're not going to have massive cap room to sign guys. They're probably never going to have more than like mid level. Um, so they're going to have to draft guys, and they're going to have to make them fit as role. They're going to have to make sure that their role players can fit around Giannis. Um, I think with Dante and DJ Wilson, you've got two sort of uh, diverging stories there. Uh, as you, as you said, Dante was in, incredible this season. Um, I think ESPN RPM is not one of the greatest measures, but it does no. <laughs> sort of indicate, and he was 13th in that, um, which is just amazing. Uh, but then on the other side, DJ Wilson, uh, a lot of sort of potential there, but I guess we're not privy to what goes on behind closed doors, but he just couldn't really get a run. Um, and then in sort of those instances where he did, uh, sort of the potential he'd shown never really got beyond that. Um, he sort of struggled to shoot the ball. Uh, I guess he showed himself as one of the... He could potentially become one of the more versatile defenders on the Bucks, But then they decided to go with guys like uh, bringing in Marvin Williams, who I think was a, a nice move there. Um, you know, they were playing Ersan Elias over over DJ Wilson. So they were opting for the, sort of those veteran guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they, they've, they've been... Um very good with the guys that they've brought in and and it's i mean i think it speaks to the the team and the culture that they have there i i i've tried i mean i remember when budenholzer was on the market and the knicks were looking for a coach he was you know a a guy that i definitely wanted us to give a a good look at and you know hey you see him go to milwaukee and and you see what he can do he uh, seems like a guy that's very up to date with analytics. Uh, I've read some articles about some of the practices that he runs, and in terms of, you know, really making sure that the players are conscious and aware of the spacing that's on the yes. floor. And listen, you know, coming from me and Chip, that are Knicks fans, we have not seen good <laughs> spacing in I don't know how long. Uh, we also don't have shooters either, so you know, go figure. One without the other is not going to really do much, but. When you do see a team and a franchise that values that and makes sure that it's like a a priority in their decision making and the players that they bring in, you can really see the dividends. And of course, having Giannis is going to make all the difference in the world because he is such a super megastar. Yeah, well, I think Giannis, you're right, sets the tone, but then everybody else buys into that. Budenholzer and the coaching staff has set up, this is how we're going to play. And everybody plays like everybody's bought into that. Everybody's fine. You, you never hear about, well, I suppose because they're winning, but you never hear about anybody disgruntled with minutes or the amount of shots they're getting, um, amount of minutes they're playing. Um, it's just uh, from where the Bucks were four, five, six years ago, it's just been a complete shift uh, in every, every sort of sense and completely unexpected, but a great ride to sort of follow along. Oh, yeah, uh, most definitely. Uh, Chip, is there anything that you have for Tim? Uh, yeah, uh, I wanted to ask you about Brook Lopez because I he played uh, he played in Brooklyn, he played in Jersey, so me and Jeff know him really well. And even though he was a net, I love Brook Lopez. It's impossible not to like him. But 
I wanted to know how, what you, as a Bucks fan, think of him when you see him take so many threes and they just don't go in. Yeah. Like he's shooting below 30% from three and he's taking all these threes. And I know he had a good season from three last year, but I don't Like, what's your opinion on Brooke Lopez taking all these threes? I just want to. Brooke Lopez and oh, yeah. What? I think every Bucks fan loves Brooke Lopez, and just him with Robin okay. on the team is just added comedy. Um, there's, there's always something. But yeah, I, Brooke was sort of, when he came in on such a small deal last year and then just completely outperformed that, started shooting all these threes, it was just a revelation. Um, there, there is sort of a frustration there that he hasn't been able to replicate that. You know, he's down in attempts, and he's certainly down in uh, percentage. I think he's down to like 29% where he was at like 37 last year, but I think he's been able to sort of make up for that defensively. He's been exceptional defensively uh, this season. I would be shocked if he isn't the centre on the second all-defensive team. Mm. Um, he has become like the best rim protector in the NBA. It's an incredible, from where he was, you know, when he was playing for the Nets, it's a pretty incredible shift. Um, but I think the, the main point you're saying about with the percentage with the three, um, him shooting the threes, I think functionally that spacing still sort of worked. Like he's not a player now with the, he's got, he's gained the reputation and the respect of being a three point shooter. So around Giannis, that still sort of works. It, Brooke Lopez might not make it, but the defender can't just leave him open now. So I guess it sort of does its job anyway. Although, although you're not scoring the points, obviously, which would be more ideal. Functionally, that's clearing up space for Giannis in the paint. Do you see that? I was just going to say, do you see that also, um, Bud, having uh, just, I guess, the ultimate confidence in his players and understanding that the system still needs to be the system, even if the player, their percentages drop off, because we still... We still um, we're only going to go as far as Giannis takes us, and he does need the lane open, so we can't just all of a sudden have Brooke Lopez with his back to the basket or clogging up lanes. Um, and, and when you're winning, you know, I, I, you can have that, uh, you know, I guess leverage or, or decision-making power to be like, well, we're still going to have him shoot them. Uh, do, you, do you see that kind of as, as Bud also pushing that as well? Yeah, well, I think the, the Bucks just play a very simple math game. They're not going to shoot mid-rangers, so they're not going to shoot the least efficient shot. They're going to take a lot of threes, and Giannis is going to be the best player at the rim in the NBA. And that usually works. Um, I think, yeah, there's a you gain trust, like any NBA coach, you know, you gain trust with Bud. Um, and then, yeah, I think, the as, as I said before, the it isn't necessarily the percentages for some guys. It's more the act of... Brook Lopez being out there and opening the lane for Giannis is still more efficient than him being in the in the middle of the post. Although they have sort of that has been another um, sort of added element to the offense this year is that when Giannis isn't in and they need points, they have started to throw it to Brook in the post. They've realized, oh hey, this guy's an amazing post scorer. He did it for all these years. Um, we can utilize this probably most notably in the first game of the season against the Rockets when the Bucks were down and Giannis fouled out. They just started throwing the ball to Brook Lopez and he took him home. Um, but yeah, I think the they just the Bucks in general, their system is it's a very simple game of maths. They play the percentages and usually it works for them because they're so good. 
Yeah. No, that's that's definitely true. Um, this will this will be my last one, and I actually just thought of it um, uh, again as a, a Nick fan who hasn't seen great playoff series in a while. <laughs> um, I'm interested to hear your take on this one because the the Bucks, I think the Bucks and the Sixers have had a very nice thing going on for a while. And I, I, I so I guess my question is it, it's twofold. So let's say if if the if the if we're in the playoffs. Who is the greatest threat to the Bucks making it to uh, the NBA Finals? Um, with that said, also, I've enjoyed watching the 76ers uh, and the Bucks go at it. I don't know if you feel, and I'm not sure, maybe the Raptors are more of their rival, I'm not sure, but um, those are two very interesting teams to me with obviously very different styles of play. Um, what has it been like for you watching them? I think the, the Bucks have sort of, like certainly at the last few seasons, sort of a modern rivalry with as the Sixers, the Raptors, and the Celtics. Um, for the first two, uh, sorry, Raptors and Celtics being sort of more playoff, uh, but Sixers being, I think that all sort of started where uh, Malcolm Brogdon won Rookie of the Year over Embiid and Sarage. Mm. Um, that sort of started because Sixers fans obviously being very vocal. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy a lot of that. Um, Bucks and Bucks and Sixers. It's a very fun rivalry because you've got Giannis and Embiid, two amazing players that just bring it all when they go against each other. Um, asking about who would be the sort of the, the biggest obstacle towards making the finals. Yeah. Um, I think it really depends on how the Sixers come together because they're sort of they're very hot and cold. Obviously, they've got that big difference between how they play at home and how they play on the road. I think if you've got a fully realized Sixers with Embiid, you know, sort of playing to his potential, I think that's probably the biggest threat to the Bucks. Right. But in in the same sense, if if they can't sort of pull it together, the, the Celtics probably present another challenge as well. Um, that's not that's not probably to dismiss the Raptors either. They they played incredible um, over this regular season. They they seem to always be shorthanded and always pull it out. Um, I would still take the Bucks over those three teams. Bias, obviously, but I'd probably still take the Bucks over those teams to get to the finals. I w- it wasn't necessarily a foregone conclusion that the Bucks would make the finals, but I, I think they, they were very heavy favourites um, before the season ended. But yeah. yeah, I very much enjoy the Bucks Sixers rivalry. I think because the Sixers fans sort of bring that sort of uh, added element to it. Yeah, they're crazy in Philly. Uh, yeah. We actually and just we just brings an added element. To yes, it. yeah, no question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we actually just partnered um, with a a, a Philly um, organization, Crossing Board, and they're telling us about their fans all the time. It's 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 always insane. Uh, but yeah, I, I was I was interested to ask you that question, and I think the Celtics' point is big, especially with the ascendance of Jalen Brown this year. Uh, they, you know, you can't ever count out a Brad Stevens coach team. So yes. uh, they that uh, that's also another element as well, but I just think that the the seventy sixers and and it is true. It's like you said. Obviously, if they're if they're if they're playing well and they're together, uh, it's a different story. They just bring so much height and length to also match the Bucks' height and length. I think defensively, they're one of the few teams that can kind of uh, run around with them. Especially when you have when you have the wing defenders like Josh Richardson and Matthias Thybul. Um, yep. you know, I think those are, those are some guys that can really, really get into, uh, some of the, 
players and, and, and just give them a, a tough time. Well, I think that was maybe the biggest concern for Bucks fans after the Christmas Day game. The fact that the Sixers really showed up. Embiid was incredible yeah, defensively was. on Giannis. Yeah. And then the added thing that the Sixers were somehow able to start magically shooting amazing from three. Bucks couldn't quite get it going. I think that's another sort of drawback that maybe doesn't make the Sixers um, as dangerous for the Bucks. The fact that they've sort of struggled from three, certainly putting up a number of attempts. They're not going to drown you from three. Um, yeah. No, that, that makes sense to me for sure. Um, Chip, is there anything else you have for Tim? Uh, I was going to ask uh, <laughs> if he thought anybody in the East could uh, take down the box. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, no, so no. But uh, I did want to know like, uh, if if you thought, Tim, if you would pick the, the Bucks to win the whole thing, do you think they can beat the Lakers or the Clippers? Do you think they'll win yeah. the title? If the season this comes is back? This is something I sort of wrestle with because I feel like the, mm-hmm. the, Clipper, the Clippers are not necessarily holding something back, but they're an unknown commodity in the playoffs. How mm-hmm. you know, This is where sort of Paul George and Kawhi's game becomes uh, paramount there. Um, and sort of the way they play sort of ele- elevates in the playoffs. Um, those types of players, uh, it's uh, the playoffs leans towards players that play like them. How are they going to be... Um, how are they going to? Are they going to get through the Lakers? Obviously, as well. Um, I think we've got very three very good teams um, that are the main contenders. I, I'm very. I'd be confident in the Bucks making the finals, but I, I think the finals itself, whether it be the Lakers or the Clippers, is much more of a toss up. Um, I'd I'd love to say that I think the Bucks um, will win the finals no matter who makes it, but there's always going to be that added element of doubt there, just because you know it's going to they're going to be a playoff hardened team that makes it through from the West. If it's the Lakers or the Clippers probably, you know, battling through each other probably over seven games. No, I, I mean I listen, that would be an amazing series. Any any of the LA teams and the Bucks, uh, I would be super excited to watch. Uh, I mean just having whether it's Anthony Davis and Giannis on the same court together, um, you know, or <laughs> Kawhi and Paul George, just the, the one-on-one defensive matchups, seeing who switches on to who, seeing who yeah. asks to guard who, I mean, like, it, it would be insane. I think narratively as well, you've got sort of an ideal matchup where you've got Kawhi versus Giannis as sort of like a, a mm-hmm. revenge for yes. the previous playoffs, or you've got Definitely. LeBron versus Giannis. Is this, you know, is he going to take the mantle? Yeah. No, I, I think that's a, and, and unfortunately... Um, you know, the, the pandemic has robbed us of that, uh, but that will not stop us from, uh, you know, thinking and certainly talking about what could happen. Uh, but I think that that probably does it for us. Uh, Tim, is there anything that you want to plug anything that you, uh, are working on? Um, tell the good folks where, where they can find you at, at behind the bucks, the, the website for fan cited or, or on Twitter. Yeah, we can find me at Twitter, just, uh, at Tim, uh, Ray. And, um, yeah, just, I don't write a lot for behind the bucks anymore, but there's plenty of great content there for bucks. Um, still churning it out through the quarantine and the hiatus of the NBA season. Uh, great, great people writing there as well. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, listen, Tim, uh, it was great to have you on really, really appreciate you coming on, helping us out. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I know Chip did too, talking bucks with you. It gives us a chance to kind of get out of our Knicks centered, 
uh, hole, even though we do, we have a general hoops podcast. I swear it's not a Knicks podcast, even though sometimes <laughs> it, it veers towards that. But uh, once again, man, thank you so much for ha- uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, we hope you're safe and well, and uh, we hope to talk to you soon. No, thanks, guys. It's been great. All right, have a good one. And for the listeners, we'll be back next week. Uh, there may be a Bulls centered podcast, and most likely another redraft as well. So everyone, stay safe and be well. Thank you.